imagine if you were Damon Lindelof and you could market your own brand of yellow Watchmen masks. Because those masks they wore in Watchmen were perfectly for COVID. Like that could have been like the highest selling thing at Comic-Con this year. the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I am Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. And you you delivered that just, you know, perfectly, having having been away for a little while. You, you jumped right back in. I, not any issue at all, Todd. You, you're a true consummate professional. You know, just all the the behind the scenes that uh, no one did. I, I think I've told you before, like, I listened to this one uh, podcast that I, I don't know if I should name and, and shame Although they put it out, so maybe it's not shameful. But uh, where they do this funny thing, where they'll they'll have bloopers of them trying to do the intro, oh, <laughs> at the, like at the end of the show. Okay. We've done that from time and, uh, to time. Yeah, that's true. Um, I always think it's funny because you know it usually comes off so polished for them. Yeah, but, it's good to man. know that people are still people at the end of the day. They're real, man. They We're make definitely mistakes. people, and we've been yeah we've been recording, and there have been. I had to remember what to say, so when I came in, it was good that I was calm. Normally, when I mix the show, I realize, uh, or, or sorry, if I'm mixing the episode, I realize that if I've done the intro, the volume spikes so hard on that, oh, like, welcome yes. to panelism. Yeah. So I was trying to keep it down today. But, Got uh, it. Oh, boy. Man. Um, here we are. It's another week <laughs> under the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, man. I've lost count. I've lost track of time, to be honest. Like it's God. it's May twenty first when we were recording this in twenty twenty. And I, I'm like, it was just May first. And but yet at the same time, April felt like it was eight years long. So I'm yeah. just my entire year my entire year and I have some things coming up later this year that are gonna screw it up even more. So I have a lot it's, of a lot of stuff this year that's just ugh. And that that Memorial Day thing bearing down on us, like you and I probably don't react to this as much because we're uh, how do we want to phrase it in the nice way? We're independent businessmen. That's right. Um, we're, <laughs> um, we're we make enough mostly of freelancers, and uh, that so you know to me it's not really like a day off, but it was interesting to hear from clients that like oh they're off on Monday, and I'm like to do what? Like <laughs> please don't go to my beach. <laughs> This is I always look at both Memorial. Well, not so much not, since I got married. It's a little different. But for the longest time, Memorial Day and Labor Day were like not days off, but days to catch up. It's like, OK, good. I right. can actually no yeah. one's going to be talking to me. Not I can actually ring. Get everything exactly. done. I might step out for an ice cream cone and then I'm good. All right. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's an interesting um. Uh, date to keep in there. I think my rough count was like somehow today I was like I think I've been we've been in like lockdown for ten weeks. Oh my god! And you're in California where it's more strict than it is here in Colorado. Like we've been. Well, I'm in Orange County, so oh. it, you know it's not it's not quite the Texas of Southern California, but it's um you know it's not it's not L.A. Um, oh, that's so, right, because yeah. L.A. County or the mayor rather of L.A. is being really draconian. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Or I mean, and maybe with good reason. It's just, one of the interesting elements of this whole thing is we're seeing little experiments play out across the country. So we're actually getting to see federalism 
you know, when it, you know, see if it yeah. works or not. And like, we what does that actually look like? <laughs> I don't know. Not, yeah, that's, that's not a, a rabbit hole we want to follow down on. No. But boy, do I have thoughts. Um, no, but I, I told you to, uh, cause we, we had a couple of, uh, loose, um, notes on what to talk about today. Um, and I had to reschedule our recording cause I was just in the midst of like a prolonged ang- roll. What I usually describe as a slow rolling anxiety attack, um, which is one of those that like takes up multiple days and I can't really diagnose the problem and I can't figure out. And I, I just, after I kind of got through it, I texted you and said, Hey, maybe that's a good thing to tie into all this. You know, when we're talking about all, um, because we're going to talk about, a, a comic stores coming back to business and, and things like that. So I don't know, it seemed appropriate. Like, how do you, how do you <laughs> come back from that? How do you get out of that? Um, it's just a, a mental health PSA, if you will. And, uh, um, I, I don't know that there's a, I, there's definitely no magic, um, uh, uh, solution for me. I think what I figured out at the end of this week was that, um, or in the middle of this week, I felt like, Oh, it's so hard in the middle of that attack. But, um, once all of those hormones kind of clear out of my body, all the stress hormones, um, it it does sort of just like go away, you know? Um, and what has, you know, been a, a source of constant uh, frustration and, and strain for me for, you know, like 20 years now is, uh, g- trying to think that there's some sort of solution or something to get out of that. And it's all like, there's a lot of, um, uh, prophylactic measures that you can take ahead of time mm-hmm. to sort of like boost the positive hormones in your body. This is all stuff that I've gathered from years of therapy. Um, but, but it's sort of like once those measures kind of fail, then I don't like once you're in it, it's sort of like you just you have to like just sort of self care and ride it out or something. Yeah. And it does. I, it really feels like a, a disease, not a disease, but a, a cold that you yeah. do have to ride out. Like it just has to pass because like you're right there. The things that are prophylactic, like I I always say because I, I struggle with this, too. But I always say like, I mean, and it, it's a cliche, but it's true. Exercise does help. Like if you go out for a walk outside, if you I mean, and now. And with it being nicer out in some states, relaxing restrictions and stuff, more people have opportunity to do this. But go outside, go for a walk in the sun. Like, enjoy the outside. Don't take your phone. Don't take anything with you. Just go out and just be detached from everything and go outside. Get your heart rate going because that will give, you know, help help a little bit of blood flow where it needs to go. I would also say, on that same kind of in that column of, of, um, of, uh, of, of cure alls, like in anti inflammatories, whether it be, I mean, I take some fish oil oh, fairly regularly, and that seems to help a lot. Because I deal with the I deal. I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I historically have had um, very severe triggering anxieties to the point where I've had at least a handful of situations where I've had to leave a, a room because I've had a, a panic yeah. attack. Um, and so, like, that usually happens if if I haven't been exercising enough. If I have if if I'm inflamed somehow, so anti-inflammatories is good. Interesting. The other thing that, and this is more just state of mind, but as you're going for your walk, as you're, you know, if you're doing a meditating routine, um, you have to remind yourself that your world is, is, is everything you can control and nothing more. And so like, if there's other things, the other external influences, whether they be you know political or economic or, you know, whatever it might be, like 
you can't necessarily control those things. You can only work on what you can work on. And the more you sort of accept that and affirm that kind of makes everything feel like, okay, well, all right. So, so I, you know, I, I, you know, kind of make your world smaller if, if you will. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I'll add on to, cause there's two things there that you said that like, uh, there are very germane to this particular <laughs> anxiety episode that I was having. One is that, 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 that exercise and that meditating and stuff, those are to me, I think those are the preventative measures in a way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I yep. went, maybe it was, maybe it was Monday of this week where I went, I, you know, I was like, Oh my God, I got to get out of my house. I got to feel, you know, I just got to get out cause I'm stressed. And I was like, I'm just gonna go for a walk, you know, sunshine, just whatever. And, and then I was in a severe, like anxiety attack Oh wow! for the yeah. duration of that walk. Like my yeah. brain would not stop thinking of terrible, you know, like, like just, just, just the awful, like, you know, the, the recorder, that's, that's a thing I read about panic, you know, years ago was like, it starts playing the tape, you know, and you're like, just uh, trying to yeah. stop yeah. the tape of worrying thoughts, but that just adds to the worry. And that was my entire walk. And I get back to the house and I'm like, fuck that, you know, it worse. I feel worse, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and then you're, secondly, you, you're totally right about like, it, 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 I think, and I don't know if this is preventative or if you can reassure yourself in the moment, I think it's kind of individual, but that, that thing of like, Hey, I can only control this little part of my world. And we're just, what, what's happening in the pandemic is like, we're feeling like, I, I mean, I at least feel this way of when I step outside or if I'm inside thinking of stepping outside, like it's like there is so much worry external to myself that all of a sudden presses on me because it used to be like a great antidepressant of mine to just go to a coffee shop, like just, uh, just, just, you know, just take the, the iPad. The exactly. Just yeah. get, just get out of your own head, go to a coffee shop and sit there and read or whatever. And I not being able to do that is like, okay, so now I've got to, you know, I've got to think of everything. And, um, you know, I've already got some obsessive behavior, so <laughs> like combining all that with like the worry in the world, um, is weird today on my walk, which was mostly calm. Um, it wasn't as relaxing as yesterday's walk, but today, uh, definitely came within six feet of me was a guy, uh, completely, uh, he was only clothed in, uh, um, now it's leopards have spots, but what's the animal? It's not a tiger, but like a cheetah striped. I don't okay. know. Okay. Um, silk boxers riding a bicycle. Was it Joe no, Exotic? No, no mask. <laughs> Was it uh, Joe Exotic? Way, way more tan than Joe Exotic. <laughs> I don't know. That guy got pretty um, tan in some of those shots. But it was, uh, you know, it was just one of those things of like, I'm out. I'm like, tr- you know, trying to avoid everybody. And then this guy just zips past me, like, you know, two feet from me. And it's like, dude, what the? what are you doing anyway? So it's that kind of thing you can't, you can't plan for. Um, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting thing. I wanted to note that, um, came from, uh, my therapist, which I thought was a good thing to put in this PSA is, uh, um, he was telling me to like, look out for those anxiety warning signs and then take like proactive measures to overcome it ahead of time. And he asked me like, well, what are the, you know, warning signs that you said? And I said, I said, well, you know, my, like my stomach, it always seems to hit my digestive, you know, tracked first. Like I, you know, I, I, my stomach feels a little upset or I feel hungry or feel like I don't want to eat or something. And he said, actually, by the time you're feeling that way too late, mm-hmm. he said, he gave me a bunch of examples. And among those that I've taken note of are if I'm experiencing a real attention deficit, like he was like, if you can't concentrate on something, that's probably because there's like a bunch of stress hormones in you. Uh, if, 
your eyesight is starting to like strain, that's probably because there's a bunch of stress hormones in you. So me as a relatively new glasses wearer, I know like if I put those glasses on before noon, that's like I'm generally and that's like hand in hand with the attention deficit thing. If I can't focus on a task and I got the glasses on, it's like, oh, yeah, I got stress hormones just running through my body. So he was like, if you those things happen to you, go lie down, listen to some like ambient music, you know, and meditate and put your head in a different place. Like think of some pleasant place. And the problem this <laughs> this week was I did that. I was like, OK, I'm just going to go to that place that's like real relaxing to me. And all I could see were like people walking around me, <laughs> getting too close to me. And I was like, oh, no, oh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't like even imagine myself out of it in order to like calm the the you know the release of those stress hormones which is another big thing that my therapist talked about is that your you know your your body is kind of a a a, a binary to an extent system whatever like if you if once you hit 51% of stress hormones you're you're totally stressed but in order, well, in order to combat it you only have to hit 51% of of, of positive that. hormones do you so know my I, uh, do you know my my um, telltale sign usually is? I would love to hear this. I stop breathing. <laughs> oh, like I hold my breath, like I'm. I know what you're talking Jody about. Jodie Foster and Maverick, because I'm just like, I and I'll, I don't even notice it sometimes. I've had to be yeah. very deliberate about just and and I'm still breathing through my nose, but very sparsely. Like there could be no oxygen in the room and I wouldn't necessarily it's, know it because I have slowed my breathing to almost nothing. Yeah, and, and then it's, it's like shallow <laughs> breath. Where, yeah. yeah, it's like not going all the way in. Yeah, and it's just like, oh. and, it's, and, and I'll I'll go, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And, and yeah, it's in a situation where I'm not talking, not moving around a lot, you know, just sitting, doing some deliberate focused work. But I'll catch myself. I'll even catch it when I'm driving. And that's where I really started to notice it because I would get mm. very stressed out when we used to drive from Denver to Colorado Springs um, when we first moved down here. I would just get incredibly stressed out on those those afternoon trips. And I would catch myself. I'm like, wait, I'm not breathing. What the hell? And so I would start to just intentionally breathe and just, you know, even if I didn't need that much, much oxygen, just breathe, be very conscious of it. And slowly but surely I have, I'm still, I still have that as an issue, but I have significantly reduced the amount of times that I get just sort of triggered without, you know, cause once, once you hit that 51%, it's kind of all over until it passes. Right. Well, and that's, I think the, that's the, the final note that I had, which, which I, you know, people who, who uh, experience anxiety in this way un understand this innately. Um, but I, you know, people who don't often will tell you like, oh, well, just don't think about it or, yeah, or think about yeah. positive things or something. It's like, no, that actually makes it worse because by the time I'm anxious to that degree, that, you know, biochemically means that 51% of of the hormones in my body are stress hormones. Mm -hmm. So you telling me not to stress about it, like you can't think your way out of it because yeah. it is a chemical reaction. It's not, yep. Yep. you know, your brain's, your intelligent brain in that way is, is, you know, can only help you go do the, the proactive things to prevent it or to start producing those positive hormones. But you can't just quote, think your way out of it or don't think about it. Cause that just stresses you more, puts more stress hormones in you. And I mean, I grew up like, like so many people of, you know, 
that was a common response I heard when I first started having panic attacks was, well, just don't think about it or, you know, think of this positive thing or whatever. And it's like, you're just stressing me out more. <laughs> well, I used to, I mean, I used to take that approach, just not knowing that there were other ways to, to go about it and then not realizing that it was chemical. So I would go and sit in the park for like eight, you know, not eight hours, but like three to four hours trying to do that. And I would emerge and I would mm. sometimes be successful, but the amount of energy required to do that, I basically have to go home and sleep because I'm like, well, now I'm, now I'm done. And so then like my day is shot because I spent it all doing that. And that was helpful to some degree. I also used to take scenic drives a lot. That used to be my, my go-to mm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and that trick, you know, I would just take it, just, uh, I would just go cruising around just to wherever, you know, not, not speed or go illegally or anything, but just like try to explore some new place because when you go on vacation, like I, I was telling my wife about this the other night. When you go on vacation, if you do it right, your entire your entire time should basically be one continuous flow state, and that's because you're you're absolutely doing something brand new. You're seeing a new environment. You're trying new food. You're especially if you go to a, a place where they don't speak English. You're hearing different you know different languages. Your entire brain is just operating, and yeah. you there it doesn't give you even a chance to think about stressful things is you're just taking in all this new, interesting sensory input. Right. And so you just kind of fall into this perpetual flow state. That's why a lot of people, when they come back from vacation, they're just like, they're buzzing. Like you feel yeah. this like energy. It's like, Oh my God. And you almost, it's, it's almost a little shocking. It's like coming out of a, a mushroom trip or something when you come back to your home. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, like you're, you're suddenly confronted with routine again. You're confronted with familiarity. And so all that to be said, if you can, the scenic drives for me was, was almost a sort of a, a hack to get at that flow state. Cause I'll at least, you know, I'll drive somewhere I haven't been yeah. before or discover some new neighborhood just because, um, and then once you've lived in a place long enough, you kind of lose those opportunities. You have to make them for yourself again. Um, that's, but a, that's, I, that's a great pointer. I think, I mean, that's like a, that's a great tip to say, like, because I think that's both preventative and it's something that at least in some moments you can do. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I probably should have left the house a couple of times in my car. That is where it's so I'm not worried about like physically, you know, like walking somewhere or whatever, you know. And and yeah, I like the way you said it about getting in that flow state of just traveling somewhere. Well, I want to be know? careful. Like clearly there is not a one size fits all solution. Exactly. To this. Um, yeah. If you're listening out there and you haven't tried some of these things, you know, give it a try. But understand your results will definitely vary. Um, that's why I'm, I'm holding off saying like, you know, get high, have some cannabis, have an edible. Yeah. Cause like that, that works for me. But Jesus, if you're in the wrong set and setting, like if you're in the wrong mindset and you take, yeah. you know, mushrooms or cannabis or whatever it might be, that could make it way worse. So like be very, very, you know, listen to yourself, be very mindful, you know, try, try things, but, but understand that, you know, half of it is half of it is definitely chemical and it's often beyond your control and the other half may not be, but it, it's, there's not a, there's not a silver bullet sadly. And it's, as you get older, yeah. it may, it may ebb and flow, it may get worse, it may get better. And if you get to the point where honestly, like if, if you tried stuff and you're just like, man, I've tried it all, nothing works, go seek help, go find somebody, find a therapist, find a yeah. friend. I don't I, wallow in it. Cause that's the worst thing you can do. I mean, and that is, that is, uh, it is very hard to to uh, uh, to explain to people who've had a bad experience. Like the first therapist I ever saw was not not necessarily a bad experience, but it was definitely not positive. It was like it didn't help me. I you know I didn't get the feedback I, I needed. I didn't get the understanding I needed of what was going on. And 
uh, you've got to find that like right person for that. And that sometimes that takes a while. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yep. I mean, it's, and that's, that's a really weird, uh, you know, struggle of its own is to, to find the person, but it is, you know I mean? But it's true. Like we're, and this to me is like a universal statement of like human compassion and like how we all can get along is that we're all made of the same chemicals, but all those chemicals are in different amounts in our bodies. And that's how we react differently to these things. And that should both uh, endear us to other humans (laughs) and, and, and make us, uh, you know, mindful that we're all going to react to different things differently. Um, And that's definitely a thing that was going on with me this week was that I, I was, you know, interacting with, you know, uh, some humans that didn't didn't totally understand what was going on in my life. Um, So I'm sure there's many out there listening who have had similar experiences over the last two months. Uh, So hopefully hopefully this has been helpful. Um, You know, if you guys have any if, if anybody listening has specific things that you've tried that work, uh, let us know. We'll, you know, maybe we'll shout them out in a future episode or, or pass that on. But, um, yeah, hopefully this has been good. I, I don't want to dwell on this too much though. Cause we have no, no, no. other wanted, important I, things. We're to... talking, I think we're talking, the theme is recovery and, yes. uh, you know, we're, yes. we're, yeah. What, uh, what has been in your queue lately? Well, as we've, as we've sort of slow marched our way back to some sense of normalcy, um, I have found, because for a hot second there, I mean, kind of going back to that mid-March to mid-April period of just total uncertainty, I just lost the, I lost the desire to consume anything new. I was just like, I was completely falling back, with the exception of devs, was the only thing I was watching that was new. I had fallen back into just, you know, everything, all all comfort things, books I've read before, movies, TV shows, all that stuff. So only in the last few weeks have I really been like hungry for new stuff again. And oh, fortunately, okay. yeah, fortunately, I've had uh, timing-wise um, uh, the second season of What We Do in the Shadows on Hulu FX, which I, we've talked about this offline. It's just delightful. Um, we're both big fans of the movie. Taika Waititi uh, directed, starred in it. Jermaine Clements in it. I forget the other guy's name. He's awesome too. But um, you know, the, Re- a lot of those- Darby's in it. Reese Darby's in it. Yeah. So a lot of flood of the Concord sort of connective tissue. So and when they announced, I, oh, I might not say I'm a big fan of the movie. I mean, I'm oh, a, okay. I, I was a, a, like, I was very interested in the movie. <laughs> I think the movie has a lot of funny parts, but I will say the TV show has kicked the movie's ass, which is shocking. Cause when they announced the TV show, I was like, why do this? Like, why is this? This just seems like a money grab. Yeah, I didn't I could realize not have that, cared. I didn't realize that Taika and Jermaine, were absolutely in complete control of it. Like they write the episodes, they direct most of them together. They're basically the showrunners. And it it is the show not only has all that same DNA from the movie, but they have intentionally um, called back things from the movie many times, whether it be characters appearing or um, different sort of mythology that's popped up. Like the TV show absolutely is a fan of the movie itself. Yeah. And then it takes it to such a, a, a wonderfully interesting level that um, it is I have just been I think I binged all of season one. Yeah. And then season two is about halfway through. I mean, for me, the inclusion of Matt Berry makes all the difference. Like that guy is. Wait, just, is, is he in he's season one? No, he's yeah. Matt Berry is oh. in both seasons. He's last. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, which is just like I mean, you cast him to get what he does. Like he's. 
he's he doesn't do a, a character so much as he just shows up and is himself and it's like it's just it's wonderful i would say second to that though is the inclusion of colin robinson who is the energy vampire like that yes. guy <laughs> and I, we've, we've seen that guy before in the office and other things but as a character i mean i would if if he was the only character on the show i would absolutely watch it because everything he does is just so perfect. Like we've talked about energy vampires and psychic vampires a little bit before. And just to see that reflected in TV and, so, and like, he covers all the cliches. It's just, it's just magnificent. There, there's a scene that is like rightfully, uh, I don't know if it's meme status, you know, but it's like the one that I've seen on YouTube where he's, when he runs into the, um, I, they don't call her a, a psychic vampire, but the emotional other vampire, vampire. In, the emotional vampire in the office yeah. And the like examples of them walking up to people in the office to feed off their energy is like that is every corporate gig I've ever had. There's one yep. of them there. Yep. It's on like it's terrifyingly real. Oh, wait, just wait till season two. because You haven't watched season two. Yet. I have There's not an watched episode season two. No. where he gets a promotion and it is it just I'll, that's all I'm going to say as a person who has written uh, extensively about six systems and corporate culture as you have, <laughs> you will appreciate that episode more than I have. I think, um, the other things I'm watching though, Rick and Morty has come back for the second half of season four, which has been equally good. Like there has been some, just probably some of the best episodes they've ever done, um, in this last batch. And I can't, I think they have two more. That's so crazy to think that they're only in season four. Well, they had a lot. I mean, let's and see, they, had, I think they had a hiatus. Yeah, right. season one, I think, was 2015, I think, 2015. And then, yeah, there was a hiatus. So considering that, I mean, five years, four seasons, they've been keeping it's a nice – pretty consistent. Pretty consistent. I think there was basically like a year gap. But then they were – I think seasons one and two were very close after each other, so it kind of felt like right, it was right. moving faster. But anyway, if you've been away from Rick and Morty – the most recent episode uh, is called uh, the Vat of Acid episode. It literally says that the Vat of Acid episode, like in the in the title card, and it is just, I I, I sat there kind of, I, it was thrilling because you didn't know where it was going, and they it's some of the best writing and dialogue and character interactions they've ever had. Like it just, if this is the level they're operating at, I cannot even imagine where we're headed from huh. here. So. Check that out. And then I just want to give one more shout out to the show devs also on FX Hulu. <laughs> FX Hulu has been, I mean, it's an FX produced joint with Hulu. So the, uh, both uh, devs yeah. and what we do in the shadows appears on Hulu uh, day and date. So um, watch those there. But devs, oh my God, you told me about it just as we were going into quarantine. I caught up on it. Um, if you want a rabbit hole to fall down, go to the devs Reddit, uh, subreddit. Holy <laughs> crap. You're going to learn things about determinism you didn't even know you had the mental capacity for. But it has been – it. you know, I have some complaints with it, but as a piece of storytelling, it's – Jesus. It's, you know, ever since X, X Machina came out, um, I was just like – I wanted more of that kind of thing from that that creator, and he just yeah. – he crushes it. So you, you need to catch up on devs, Todd, yeah, so yeah. that you and I can talk about it at length in a future yeah. episode of Analyzer. For sure. And I, I, there's another episode somewhere in there where we like, we, I mean, I, I knew by the time we recorded it, but where you had shocked me before recording where I thought I was only like one episode behind. And it turns out that, no, it was not a four episode episode limited series. It was eight. <laughs> so yeah, I'm been five six. episodes behind. Um, yeah, uh, I, that's all interesting to, to hear. Um, 
I, because I also, right before we, we were recording, I did not understand that season two of what we do in the shadows was out. Um, so yeah, I got a lot to catch up on. Um, but I did watch all the tiger King. For oh dear. Wars, oh so. dear God. What'd yeah. you think? I mean, I, I, uh, like most docu-series, I think it's at least one or two episodes too long. And I, I you know, I feel, I feel like have we, have we finally reached the zenith of, <laughs> you know, of like watching people's messed up lives, you know? I mean, that show certainly is the the top of the mountain in terms of that. Here's a better question. It's not a though. documentary the, anymore. It's like a reality show. It, oh, it is itself 100%. a reality show. And it's yep. like, ugh, it's, I just, it just left me feeling so gross. Do you think I Carol thought, killed her husband? That's the most important question. <laughs> um, I, I don't really have any thought on it. Was that matricide? Is that what that's when you kill your spouse? Matricide? No, that's uh, when you kill your mother. Oh, um, spousal side. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that's called. Well, so what uh, is it when you kill your father? If matricide pat- is a mother. Patricide. patricide. Oh, of course, duh. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I felt the same way. I was. I mean, I I picked up episode one, and I was just like, oh, I don't want to watch this, and then I couldn't stop, and so I end. I yeah. watched it all, and I was just like, I didn't. I would have been better off had I not, you know, I just, I, yeah. I suffered through it. Just and part of me wanted to kind of feel part of the, we have so few cultural touch points anymore. We can all kind of gather around and like share a common sort of, I just see it. I saw it. What'd you think? Man. We have so I, few of those that I was like, well, we have, this is maybe the last one we have for a while. I should probably at least have something to, to associate with. I mean, what a gross thing that we all shared during. I pandemic, know. Right? Like that, that itself, that was the, <laughs> that was the pandemic of media during the pandemic of are you ready to see Nicolas cage as joe exotic because that's coming our way soon please no he's producing, he's producing and starring in the tv there's going to be a tv series a limited tv series uh which i, I was mean, like well, why what what could why? they possibly why? do why? yeah why fictionalize this thing that's already so hard to believe it's like not this, gonna, there's no way you, you know, can make that it's going to feel boring compared to the documentary. It's going to be like, I don't, I mean, even with Nick Cage in that role, it's like, dude, you can't be any more of a character than he already is. Like, I just don't. And you're Nick Cage. Like you're already like, that's, that's, that's a different level. Uh, now more than ever, we need more people in those t-shirts to say, stop making stupid people famous. Like that's (laughs) a great, great. (laughs) This is especially in a world where like, and this is just, I mean, this is all on me, but like, I can't believe that I wasted time watching that when there was what we do in the shadows season two or devs out there. Like yeah, that's yeah. what I should have been watching. And I finally like, and at the beginning of this, you know, I said that the expanse was on my list of stuff to watch. And it's only recently that I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I think I'm following this now. I got to get into this. So well, um, there's probably, there was also that element of, you know, on Tiger King, their lives were s- such a train wreck, such a tire fire that it actually made your life feel normal. I think there was yeah, a little yeah. of that too, which is like, let's all watch this so we can feel less bad about how we, where we all are right now I, as a people. Honestly, I don't think I felt as gross about it. Like watching it, I think I was like, oh, okay, that's over. Um, I thought for some reason it would have a much more dramatic ending because you know oh, from like yeah. the first episode that he's in jail. Yep. So I thought, I thought surely there's like, and it's weird cause he's in jail for a really serious thing, yep. but I still felt like, 
it like it wasn't serious enough or like it was kind of a, uh, you know, like they didn't I, I don't know what I what I felt. But what made me feel gross was when that last episode ended and the and, you know, it just auto starts auto playing <laughs> and there's fucking Joel McHale to take me through like a reality show after show oh, to talk about see. what we just watched. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. That He's got, got his... tagged. That got tagged after I watched yeah. it. They filmed that like a week later. And yeah. so like, I didn't have to endure that sadly, but I've heard. And I, I, so I didn't uh, watch it, but it was like, as soon as it started, I was like, okay, now we've missed. Now we've all missed the point because I, I know that we watched it with that human soap opera. eye, but it, 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 it didn't even have a moment to like a breathe as a documentary because immediately it's like the cash in of like, what a crazy, you know, reality show we all just watched. Yeah, that was yeah. too much for me. So that's when I was like, ugh, too meta, too meta. Well, let's also talk about in terms of recovery, the big sort of feature of this episode is back the comeback. And, yeah. um, it is, like I said earlier, it's the May 21st, 2020. So we've been, um, we are now what two days into comic shops reopening again this Wednesday. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, many of them have ones. been open, but um, this Wednesday they actually started distributing books again. Thank God, it had been about a month and some change, I think, since new books had actually gotten sent. Now, the interesting wrinkle here is there is, for the most part, um, one distributor for almost all mainstream comics, and that is Diamond. Um, there are other smaller niche distributors for things like, um, I think drawn and quarterly has a different system they use that right. actually gets them into like Barnes and Noble and stuff too. So that might be a little different. And there's some other niche players that have kind of their own thing, but by and large diamond is the, is the big boy on campus. And you and I have actually, I got to do a mea culpa. You and I have actually thrown shade at diamond in the past for being in a monopoly. And it's like, yeah. you know, like why, why are they the only ones? Well, uh, recently on the wonderful podcast, Fat Man on Batman, specifically episode 279, they actually got Steve Geppi, the founder and CEO of Diamond, on for a lengthy-ish interview. I think it was like 20, 25-minute interview. And he actually takes you through the history of, of Diamond and talks about the current environment and what they're doing. I actually have a lot of respect for both him and Diamond now, having heard his point of view and I don't want to paraphrase it or, or, you know, kind of do a deep dive on it now. Definitely go listen to uh, episode 279 of Batman Beyond um, for that. But he he goes, to, he basically says, makes a, makes a case that's like, look, I would love there to be competition because the more distributors there are, the the better comics are doing, the better we all do. So like, I would I would love that. Now you could make an argument. Well, maybe he's not sincere when he says says that. I would like to think he is. He actually the other thing I didn't know, Diamond is the sole distributor by almost by sheer attrition. Um, when they started, there were actually more distributors out there and one by one, they all fell for a variety of reasons, whether it be business, you know, bad business decisions, consolidation, uh, acquisitions, yeah. just the, the ebb and flow of the comics industry. So somehow by sheer luck, Diamond ended up the last, the last man standing. And Steve Geppi has, you know, Lars has been doing a great job keeping that going. I mean, they've been single-handedly, um, you know, floating most comic book shops. I would love there to be competition too. I think it's a huge issue that one company, you know, when they shut down, the entire industry shuts down, essentially, that's, that's a really dangerous choke point. Exactly. Um, and we saw that play out, but at the same time, I think I, I really need to give 
give Steve and Diamond more, a little bit more grace and credit just in terms of their role. And just, you know, he sounded like a guy who was just as sort of distraught about everything as we were and who, you know, let's hope there are more distributors. Maybe I've heard talk. I don't know if you've, if you've followed up on this too. I've heard talk that DC and Marvel are both considering doing their own in-house distribution, Mm. which could be interesting. Um, I'm curious if other indies like, you know, an image and a boom or, uh, you know, Fantagraphics in a boom or something would like join forces to, um, you do their own distributor. So we may see a lot of, of change and sort of, uh, evolution of things in, this year as a result of COVID, as a result of diamond, um, you know, shutting down the way they did. What, what's your take on all that? Well, I was super grateful to hear that perspective and I didn't listen to the episode. I just heard it from you as you caught me up on it. And I thought, you know, of course, and like, and, <laughs> and I felt bad, like, yeah, we, we did not give them any grace or go investigate on our own, um, when we were throwing shade. Uh, but it, it sort of made sense of like, that's, yeah, they are the last man standing. Um, and he's right. Some, some competition would probably like open it up a little bit and, and then they're not going to feel what they must feel during this pandemic of like the responsibility uh, and the, you know, like they're, they're the, they're the scapegoat, you know, for, um, because you, like you and I had talked about how, you know, why aren't some of our favorite comics just putting out the digital editions? Well, that's probably, you know, they probably already made the physical editions and this has screwed up the whole thing and they can't just take a bath on the physical. And, um, I, I, I don't know because I, I wonder, and I, I put this in our show notes of, you know, What's that bigger picture look like? How does our relationship with comic book stores change? And even with uh, the media itself, you know, after after this time, um, I worry when when you say things like Marvel and DC may be looking at their uh, dis- distributing their own books um, that they end up up making that mistake that like what we're seeing happen in the podcasting world where Spotify's, you know, buying up a podcast and then consolidating all the episodes only on Spotify. Oh, man. And yeah. it's like, I do feel like we need comics. We need podcasts. We need shows. We need everything like on as many channels as possible, not exclusive to one channel or something. Cause I can see a yeah. world where Marvel has Marvel distribution and DC has DC distribution. And then diamond has like all the indie books and that kills Diamond's business because it's like that volume is probably not as or, great as the, the two big ones. Or you know? or it gives Diamond more focus and priority on those indie titles than they would have had otherwise. And they can do interesting, innovative stuff. They can package you know things together. It That might actually be a, a net positive. Now, where it can get really dicey. There's, you know, there's another rumor that Amazon might buy start buying at movie theaters or specifically like um, mm. Regal. Right. And then if that happens, I can see Disney going, well, we'll buy some theaters, too. All of a sudden you have this race to own every point in the distribution system. Disney owns the theaters. They own, you know, their own streaming and stuff. And then it's like, hey, we own Marvel. Let's just buy Marvel Comics as because I don't think they own the comics division yet. Do they? If I'm mistaken about that, let's let's assume they do. And then so Disney owns Marvel Comics. There's like, oh, we'll have our own, our own distribution for the comics. And to top it off, we're going to start our own uh, Disney-owned com- you know, Marvel comic shops. And so then you have every point along the, 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 you know, the, the value chain they have a hand in. That's where I'm going to get really nervous because we can't have indie comic shops. And there's going to be a lot that will not come back from this, which is going to be awful. You know, one of the... 
one of the sort of the benefits of this uh, Back the Comeback movement, and by the way, if you want to know more about that, go to backthecomeback.com. Um, it began this week, but it's a it's a sort of an initiative that's going to keep going. Um, lots of great you know great ways to spread the words, buy a T-shirt. There's some charity and stuff, but they're trying to raise money to help these um, these indie comic shops that just man just didn't didn't see this coming, didn't have a plan for it. And literally had their hands tied. And it's like, look, we didn't do anything wrong. We just, we couldn't, we can't stay afloat. So back to the comeback yeah. is supposed to help them um, pull through. And hopefully they do. There are going to be some that just don't. So, you know, in those situations, do those get bought by a DC or a, or a Marvel? Or do they, you know, does DC or Marvel like go into those markets, you know, a year from now, two years from now and say, okay, we knew there was a comic shop here at one time. So we know the, the retail environment could work for it. We'll just, we'll do our own. Well, you know, it's basically a loss leader for us because if Disney owns, but you know, via Marvel, if Disney owns, let's just say, 25 shops across the country, they don't even have to make money. They can almost be like a experiential node on the Disney Marvel platform. That yeah, they sell stuff, they they engage, but they're almost like marketing vehicles. They don't have to cash flow. That's when it's going to get really. It's going to be like when Starbucks came in. And started, you know, basically putting their coffee shops everywhere and drowning out the local coffee shops. Like Starbucks didn't have to in those early days make money. They just needed to keep opening coffee right. shops. And so it's like, yeah, it's what does the that Amazon do? strategy too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's like, what does that? You know, do? Amazon's like, we will undercut everyone. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, and maybe you know, the kind of like with Alamo Drafthouse being one of the the few theater brands that I think will survive and thrive. Maybe only the the really good comic shops the indie shops anyway, do survive. Like maybe the ones that really, that we've highlighted before on the show several times, like there's definitely some, some shops that you walk into and you're like, why is this still here? You know, how are yeah. they still possibly you know, in business? And then there are other shops that are like, holy crap, I hope this never goes away. This is yeah. amazing. And I, you know, those I would hope stay around and you know, with any, if, if shops, I would, I don't want any, I don't wish any shop to close that doesn't have to, but you would hope it would be the ones that just have, you know, have been just coasting and haven't been trying very hard <laughs> recently. I think about there's one. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say who they are, but there is one in Tennessee we've talked about. You walk into it, the smell of cigarette smoke is so pungent that you're like, how the hell are, how do any of these books last? Like this, it's just ugh, and it's just you, everything <laughs> about it is just disgusting and and gross. Nothing is. The selection uh, is terrible. Everything about it is awful. I'm like, why is yeah. the shop still here? Well, and uh, you know, I see um, the, the 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 other part of this component too is that Diamond um, and and what was the other one? Oh, it's a uh, Alliance Game Distributors is also part of the um, back the comeback. But Diamond also had some game distribution that they did. Um, and increasingly, as we've mentioned on, here and there on different shows, like I, I've been playing tabletop role-playing games. And so I visit game shops as much as, or maybe more than comic book shops now, like specific, specifically game shops. And, and um, I, they have got to have been set back on this. And there's, there's one in particular that I go to out here that has a lot of floor space and they have all that floor space because they have nightly game sessions, you know, um, whether it's like Magic the Gathering or D&D or, you know, Pathfinder or just tabletop like board games. Um, but they're, I, I, I don't know what they're doing 
during the pandemic. And they're one of those shops where, you know, when you go to their website, it's circa 1995, oh, you know, yeah. and you can't do like, so their digital business was probably non-existent already. Um, and their overhead was probably uh, a little bit more than they needed because they had so much physical space. And I, you know, it's, it's like, I, I, how do they approach a thing like this and how, how can that come back, help them? And what, and I, I guess, you know, importantly, this was what we want, the topic we, I wanted to raise was like, how do, how is your relationship going to change to your comic book shop? When are you going to feel safe going there? Is it going to be more like, Hey, I got a pull list and I just step in to pick that up or What's, what's going to be well, different? Interesting, interesting fact about me. I have never had a pull list. Um, and I do that because I, I keep changing the priority of the books I want to read at any given time. <laughs> so I, I have my own personal pull list. That I just sort of have on a, a OneNote file that I, I have, but I don't ever have it at the shop because I don't, when I go into a shop, I want it to be a feeling of pure discovery and, and, and like my own, like I want everything to be from my own hand. So like if I walk in and just pick up a bag of books, like I could do that online. Like I don't need to, I don't need the shop for that. So I want to make sure if I go into a shop, it's, you know, I'm going in with maybe a few things in mind, but I could walk, go in knowing that I could walk out with new things I've never even thought of before. Right, right. right. And so like that, as long as that experience is intact, I'll always go into shop. So it's, for me, it's less... Hmm. It's less do I feel safe because I could, I mean I could walk into a shop right now, um, you know as long as I mean most of them have like requirement hey wear a mask you know if you're sick don't come in etc so as long as those things are being followed I'll totally walk into a shop I think for me it's it's the lack of all the other supplemental stuff that shops do so mm. I've talked at length about like Escape Velocity had an amazing book club which is probably yeah. gone indefinitely now. You know, it may be yeah. a while before that comes back. That was amazing. Um, another comic shop in town, Muse, had a really nice back area for gaming because um, a lot of, yeah. I think, as well as they do with comics, they have, um, and this is actually since you were last in town, Todd, they moved into a different spot. They've got like a huge selection of gaming stuff and a, a lot of tables in the back. So all of that for them is, there was an excitement when you walked into Muse and yeah. there was like a lot of games going on and just a lot of people there. That's all gone. So it's, it's all these other incidental kind of related things that I think I'm going to miss the most for right now. I mean, I'll still be able to walk into a shop, grab a couple things, walk out and have a great experience, but it's, it's that feeling of community yeah. that I, I want to make sure comes back quickly. Cause that for me is especially mm. getting into comics over the last you know several years as I have, you know, doing this podcast with you, that it that community element keeps it exciting, keeps it interesting. You know, that's why Comic Con works so well. That's why all the you know, all the all the other cons work so well, because you're going to experiences with other other people. And it's yeah. Uh, that's what I miss. That's what I miss. Yeah, I, I think that's really well stated. And it's we don't have the time or the uh, the notes to get into it now, but I think it's an ongoing thing for us to think about on like you know, what, what does that, that future look like? Cause especially cause both of us are in the digital business and, yeah. you know, I've been thinking for two months on like, how do I help my clients like adapt to a quote new normal, you know, um, it, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a, you know, it's a paradigm shift that's happening and how do we yeah. keep those physical institutions, uh, alive and meaningful, you know, in a era of increased, you know, precaution. Yeah. Um, but on a real positive note, I will say, or I will ask, what are those first books that you pick up, um, oh. you know, to, to back the comeback? Yeah. Great question. So first and foremost, decorum, 
by Jonathan Hickman. Like Second issue one year. came out <laughs> right as the quarantine was happening. And, um, you know, I've talked about it in a previous episode, but I'll talk a lot more about it as more issues come out. And we get a, a, a kind of clearer picture for what he's up to. But this might be his opus. And it's like we need number two. Like we need to know what's coming next. And so definitely. And that's one that I've, I have sworn to buy physically as long yeah. as they keep putting out variant copies. Cause like j- the variant on number one is just, it should be the real cover. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand what this other cover even is like that dude, make that the cover. So decorum. Well, definitely. I agree. I agree about issue number two. Have you seen that variant? <laughs> I have not yet. No, uh, is it, but it, it is different? slated for June 10. Oh, oh thank God. Finally. Yeah. Cause yeah, it was it's... April then it was May and now it's yeah. June, June 10th. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, you know, the, his X-Men run is still ongoing. So that's, that's one I'll, I'll pick up. Now is he um, writing that? Yeah. He's that writing still. Yeah. Okay. The main X-Men. Yeah. The main continuity X-Men, not like Excalibur or X-Force right, right. or any of those things like those all have, to, he's kind of show running those. So they have to play within his, his outline. But, um, the X-Men itself is, um, is what he's doing. You, you know, <laughs> it's really too bad that books like they're not like us and nowhere men, which strangely enough are both co-created by the actual editor in chief of image comics himself. Like those are basically done for, you know, done indefinitely. Like they may never come back. This would have been, it's been a great time to put those out digitally or at least do something. So I'll miss those hmm. books. Um, I also hang on here. I'm pulling up my, just lost well, my list. I'll throw mine in there, which is, uh, although something just started playing on my computer. Thank you, Image Comics. Um, the, uh, <laughs> but uh, no surprise, um, uh, Mirka Andolfo's Mercy, uh, number course. two, comes out next week. Um, that's one that I've been waiting on. Same thing, like it came out the week before the pandemic. Um, and and it is a six-issue limited run, so or like a series. So for me, it's you know uh, paramount to get all those single issues, I guess. Um, but there are a couple others that like, I, I think just because of the comeback, like I kind of want to check out there's birthright, which I think is that one that our friend drew has mentioned before. Yep. I've read, um, that. I've read a few of those. And, uh, then, you know, just, and it's one of those things of like, now that I I'm looking at the image comic schedule, uh, having not seen it in a while, um, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you know, enticing me in a way, you know, it's like, Oh there, yeah. All these books that I, you know, I, I felt like I didn't have time to give a shot to now. Now I do. Um, and American Jesus was the other one that I, American I Jesus. Uh, thank there. you. Definitely that one. And then also 20 XX, um, issue three had come out before the pandemic, but issue four okay. and five were to come that I'm loving that series. And we have not talked about that, but that one's out next week as well. Number yep. four. Yep. Uh, that's a killer little series by the same creators behind Alex and Ada, which I've talked about on a previous uh, episode. So if you okay, like so that's Alex how we and Ada, 20XX, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely 20XX. And then there's all of these kind of spinoff series from the Postal Universe that um, Deliverance, I think, yeah. is the current run. But I haven't caught up on those yet. And then, um, I don't know, there's just I had this fortunate uh, opportunity to uh grab a bunch of stuff from the uh escape velocity second store that had closed in the springs before it closed and this was like two weeks before quarantine so i had a big old stack of stuff that i had been just kind of cranking through but that is almost almost gone um i would say i'm trying there's one other title i'm just not finding it it's at the tip of my tongue i can't find it Hmm. anyway um interesting have you so as as much as I do want to support oh, uh, indie sorry. stores and stuff like that, yeah, hit me with that title. What is it? Um, it's actually not a comic at all. 
uh, this is a weird little shout out, but there's a magazine, a science fiction magazine called Infinite Worlds that oh. um, actually follows us. The the guy um, who runs that or puts that together has an, a, just a killer Instagram account. And so I picked up issue one, which I think is in his third printing. But oh, my God, I think he's got I think issue four comes out or yeah, issue four comes out. Um, soon issue one came out may of last year so he is doing some amazing things taking some amazing artists from across the world um some interesting articles it is like a classic just killer 60s 70s science fiction magazine but done at a really Mm. high level so if you just love graphic art in general i highly recommend infinite worlds so i'm looking forward to while not going to a comic shop to pick it up although i hope some comic shops do carry it eventually looking forward to that too yeah, that's cool. I so I was gonna ask about that. Like, um, I, one of the places where that paradigm has not shifted yet is in how is in that like how we can support indie comic shops digitally. Yeah. Um, and I, that that is something I think I'm more interested in because uh, I already a, a a very flawed minimalist I am, but um, I'm it's certainly during the lockdown I have. I've gone the the opposite way of like I don't appreciate the physical <laughs> objects in my house. It's it's like I'm I feel crowded being in here with so much, and I almost wish that like I could just you know pull it all up on the iPad and read every you know every comic that's in my library that way. Uh, it's not always a perfect experience I know, but it's you know it's just something that like I, I've I felt like that's that's the the future I need to pursue. And then in that case, like, uh, how do, how do you support the creators doing that? You know, that um, is, I've looked yeah, at like a, a lot of like Kickstarters, you know, Patreons, like what, what does this look like? Um, because I think we're back. You, you, there are ways to do that through both of those platforms, but then you're back to the, um, you know, you're getting delivered like a raw file, and having to upload it and, you know, put it on your machine of choice. And I, I use a comic reader on the iPad called Panels that's like a non-comicsology reader that I think is pretty good. Um, but there's still like a, you know, there's still a gap in getting something to it. You know, it's got to come. I got to get it in the right format in now, order to load why, it into that. Is, is it just because you want to support shops that you use that app and not comiXology because oh always... no it's the i don't there aren't um no there aren't shops that use that app I, that's just like if i if i kickstart a comic and they deliver like a cbz file to me then i can't load that to comiXology so oh, i have to course. load it to a separate reader yeah man there's a missed opportunity from comiXology to be an all-purpose reader like which is crazy because amazon owns it they didn't create it, but they own it. They've owned it yeah. for most of its life. Amazon also owns the Kindle. The Kindle lets you load any manner of of ebook. Yeah. You know, no matter not the, well, no, even the the iOS app does that too. But like the Kindle, like the actual native device, you can put anything on that. Like I've scanned. Can you? Yeah, there's. Oh, I mean, I've had. I've actually you can sent some. Scan. No, no, no. I've I've put PDFs on there. I have put open source. I think is it EPUB is the open format. I put that on there. Oh, the, okay. Um, so yeah, you can put anything on that Kindle you want. It's tragic because you and I used to be big fans of the image comics store before they shut that down where you could buy, you just bought the the CBRs and, but it had every kind of file in there. It had a CBR, it had a PDF. It was great. I sort of kind of get why they shut it down. I wish they hadn't. Um, 
but if they had their own, I mean, God, if image or if all the indie creators got together and had their own sort of version of comiXology where they could have more bang for their buck and then have maybe a, a profit share with the stores oh. or something, there's, there's a model there that could there, work. <laughs> this, this, we are losing our bona fides as we speak. Cause there is a really great one. And the app name just escaped me. Um, people are shouting at their, their, uh, radio devices right now. Um, iOS app. Is it just called Comic Book? Uh, I don't think so. Dang, I cannot believe this is not in my brain. Um, <laughs> what are you? What uh, are you trying to? What are you trying to describe? Because there's Ma- Made Fire, there's Marvel Unlimited, there's DC, all that stuff. No, it's a, well, it's a place where published like uh, indie publishers can um, submit to this place, and uh, uh, you, they also have like the corresponding apps to read it through. Um, um, yeah, not chunky YC Reader iComics. It's not Google. it's not Gumroad, but that is one of the ones that that I thought of. Like a lot ah. of creators use Gumroad to okay. publish everything, but there's one that has. Um, damn, I know it'll come to me. I'm I'm so sorry that I'm being a bad comics fan well, right now. So on that note, I'm a little I'm a little torn because there are there are books I would buy at the store this week, were it not for the fact that I enjoy the format on Comicsology better, and they're not books right. that. You know, I'm a completist, as we've talked about before. Like, I own every iteration of the freaking multiversity. <laughs> and it's just like, and, and I'll do that for the books that I really like. And there's countless examples where I would have tried a an issue or two or a full, you know, trade volume one or something on Comixology. Loved it so much that I bought the hardcover omnibus later on at, you know, at a shop. Or, you know, bought, you know, issues, et cetera. So it definitely can go that way, but not all the time. There's definitely books where I think I've, I'll just bring up Postal again. I don't necessarily need to own Postal physically. I like the single mm. panel viewing on Comixology. Does that mean, I mean, so then if I don't buy that from the comic shop, especially in this environment, that's not necessarily a great thing for them. So I'm, man, I need to, and there's plenty of stuff to buy. So it's not like, that's the only thing I'm, I'm toying with, but it does increase the pressure to be more deliberate about my purchasing, I think, at least in the short term. Yeah, I and actually, that's an interesting model that I haven't pursued, which is the get the omnibus, but all the <laughs> everything else is digital. Because for so long, I was going the other way around, where almost everything I owned digitally was a trade paperback or longer. Yeah. And when I went to the comic book store, that's when I picked up single issues. Cause that's where it was more of like a appetizer kind of thing. You know, I can buy like five single issues that are physical and then take them home and sort of figure out which series I really like, um, you know, or, or do the pull list where it's like, okay, so at some point I can catch up on all these comics from the past. Uh, and I don't have a perfect model for how that needs to change, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. That's, it's just a, a thought on my mind. Maybe I was thinking of webtoon. Oh, <laughs> that Jesus! Does not sound right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's... But I, I think sort of the fact that we get, are at a loss for this, especially me, at a loss for this uh, this platform, shows you like it's that that domination of like comicsology. And I don't know that we want a future that's either you know shops or comicsology. Like, what's what's the other point of distribution? You know. I don't want every, everything on just the one app. <laughs> Question though, I mean like this is, cause we're heading, we're having the same conversation about movies right now. 
Right. And and it's I don't know, man. It's kind of it's an interesting time because you know, were it not for COVID, we probably would have ended up here anyway eventually. Um, yeah. Maybe yeah. not as you know not as with as much pressure, but we were always headed to like this was always sort of a can that kept getting kicked down the road. Like okay what is the sustainability of comic shops ultimately, which ones deserve to to fail, which ones should be maintained? Why? What's the model? Same thing applies to movie theaters. There's a lot of movie theaters that you always kind of look at and go, interesting. That's still there. I mean, the Alamo drafts out draft houses of the world and the very interesting niche local theaters that, you know, have a lot of interesting programming like those, those will always be fine because they're, they're sui generis. They're unique. There's a, there's a cachet to them that you can't find anywhere else. But there's a lot of AMCs and a lot of, um, uh, Regals and a lot of Carmikes that look the same no matter where you go and really aren't yeah. that special. And it's like, okay, do these, sh- do these deserve to exist? Should they, and if they go away, does that make, does that hurt the consumer at, eventually? Yeah. That's, well, you, know, so, you know, and that's interesting in light of your Starbucks example earlier, which was growing up for me, there were weird, unique coffee shops in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like the Bongo Java. Um, th- that's the only one I can think of pre Starbucks domination. I mean, I, I, you know, Oh, what's the, the one from Bel- across from Belmont? Oh my God. I just forgot the name. It was in the house and they've added onto it. Shit. Yeah. That's Bongo Java. Right? That's Bongo Java. Well, wait. Ooh, and then what? there's Fido, which is the one on Fido. You know, okay, I was Hillsborough Village. And, yeah, I was confused. But it's the same, the same owner for those. Um, I mean, there's, you know, Frothy Monkey and there's plenty of other like indie ones. My point being like when I was there in school, there were only like a couple like, you know, we went more to like Perkins for, you know, (sighs) late night studying or something. Oh, Perkins, man. Starbucks came in and and yeah, dominated like mainstream coffee consumption, but also I think helped be responsible for more people like understanding coffee shops, wanting to drink them and then creating their own unique coffee shop experiences. Now, whether Mm -hmm. those sort of small stores can survive a pandemic shutdown like we've been through is, you know, like that's pretty dire. Um, Certainly hope for the best, but maybe some Disneyfication of theaters would lead to the same thing where like if they truly, you know, if Amazon or Disney owned most of the movie market, then maybe what happens is a lot of like little niche local Alamo draft house kind of style things pop up where it's like, yeah. Hey, here's the unique um, experience that you're not going to get in the Disney theaters, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it, I mean, you know, is it good for the consumer? <laughs> well, the thing about comic shops, that's always that they've always had the advantage of most of the time, anybody who works there is both passionate about the medium yeah. and knows a hell of a lot about, a, you know, a variety of books and hopefully, luckily a lot of shops have, you know, their guy who's like really into all the DC stuff. And then another guy who's really into a yeah. gal who's really into the, you know, the niche kind of indie stuff. And then it's like, Hey, I've, I can, I can, you know, somebody else is like, I can handle all of your queer reading. Like right here. It's like all of it. There's somebody who has a point of view and a very informed one. Um, much like you used to see at, at indie record stores back in the day. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, you know, your mileage may vary, but comic shops and, and yeah, there might be some attitude now and then, but for the most part, like the people who work there love it. They, they want you to engage. They want you to be a fan too. Um, and so like that, just that quality by itself, I think will, will carry a lot of people through this. I just, I hope, 
I hope there, I mean, some shops were over leveraged, both in terms of either inventory or footprint. So you might see some shops downsize in terms of, hey, we're going to move into a smaller store. Um, We might, you know, maybe we split into two smaller, like kind of pop-up style stores. Or, I mean, we might even see comic book kiosks pop up where it's just like, hey, it's, um, you know, kind of like when you go into an airport and there's like a, a mini version of the local city bookstore there that's just like, you know, it looks and kind of feels the same, but it's much, much smaller. Maybe there's like a, a single person kind of running the desk and maybe only four or five people can fit at any given time. Maybe that's what comics turned into. And then the question becomes, what should their inventory be? Because you and I have both had an amazing experience picking up the most niche obscure stuff in comic shops that we would have never found otherwise. Even online, we would have never run into those things. If shops have to take on more and more mainstream titles or big two titles or just or you know, some combination thereof, I worry that the indie creator is going to – is there going to be like two classes of comic creators? We're like, you know, the, right. there are those who are big enough or well, you know, well – sell well enough to be in the shop and everybody else is just relegated to online. And then does that create a whole generation of reader that is – only I, kind know, of predisposed to digital and they never go into a shop. Like there's all these knock on effects that or, or does, it anxiety like and stress. A, does it become something like a Kickstarter where I uh, like one of the, I, I think exciting things in the gaming hobby, which I'm not fully immersed in, but my friends who are really into like board gaming is you kickstart something, you, you get a really high quality made game, but they might only make 500 of those, uh, you know? Yes. And the thing is like, but you start following the creator and I can see comic creators doing something similar where it's like, Hey, kickstart the physical book, you know, but I'm, but like the digital want to be available forever, but you're going to get the special edition. You know, I, I don't know that that's a terrible way to go because we do have a real, very similar to the music hitting digital is there's a great democratization of the tools. And like a lot of the comic book, uh, artists I follow, I am constantly shocked at what they can do with procreate on iPads, which is a $10 program <laughs> that like, you know, I own and can't do anything like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, but it is possible. There's a very low bar to entry for a new artist, get an iPad that's expensive. Sure. But then buy this $10 program and an Apple pencil and you know, you're using the same tools that the pros are using. Um, and so hopefully that a new model emerges. I, I like the idea that you talked about like the footprint of some of these places because the game shop where I usually play D and D I mentioned is like very huge, um, just square footage wise, but only very recently, um, before the pandemic did I, uh, discover this uh, other game shop in, in, uh, Fullerton, California called Dice House, which is these cool little curated store which is my andrew dice clay there he is. <laughs> hey diddle, diddle welcome to my uh, show like oh god yeah, yeah it just insults the whole time you're in there no it's it was just a lovely place with like you know uh, several long tables put together in the middle but that's it so you're doing all your shopping around the one main like long table where people are gaming and you know just like really really well curated to to hit that word again like uh and i'm sure it's a place where if you know it, it reminded me of the best comic book shops where you could go talk to the guy and say, oh, do you, you know, do you have Scythe? And he's like, well, we're all sold out, but I'll order you one. And it'll be here next week. That kind of thing. Mm, of, yeah. You know, he knows what you're talking about. Or if you like that, why don't you try this one? Or, you know, whatever you 
want, that person knows where it is, how to get it, you know, when they'll have it. Um, just, just that kind of great experience. So I don't think that that downsizing is, is a terrible thing. You know, if you can find you, we've talked about this for years. Like you can find that one expert that like can curate to your tastes. That's, that's what you need more than just all the warehouse space in the world, which is what the Disney's and Amazon's are never going to understand. Yeah. But then then there's like mile high comics in Denver, which does have all the warehouse warehouse space you could imagine. And it's almost like there are days I would walk in there and I'm just like, Oh my God, I could spend five hours in here. And then there are days where I'm just like, there's, I'm never going to find what I need. It's just too much. So there's a happy medium. I'm sure. Um, I just, I don't know what, man, I keep going back and forth. I I've shouted out some of my favorite shops before, but I think like I'll, I'll keep going back to my, my favorite two examples in Portland. There are two shops. One is called bridge city comics uh, over off of Mississippi, shout out to them. The other one is called Floating World Comics downtown, right across from the uh, Chinese Gardens. Um, and both of them, I think, are probably great examples of like really well done, well run comic shops. And they they are they are because their inventory is really well considered, and they let the staff get hyper hyper curate. You know, they they let the staff curate that stuff intensely. So you've got like, you know, everybody, oftentimes staff members have their own shelves, but they, they'll reorient things. It's like, Hey, here's the Alan Moore shelf. Here's the Hickman shelf. Here's the, here's the uh, Morrison shelf. And they'll have like little explainers about why, you know, but if you're going to start with Grant Morrison, get these four books to start with, and then, you know, you'll fall into this world. And, um, I just, I I, think that curation is when they're more like museums where you can buy the (laughs) art. I think that's the key. Honestly, that, and that's an experience that I would, I, I, would like to see replicated across so many places. Like I would love to see that in game shops, in coffee shops. Like that's, yes. I, you know, I, 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 I like that too when I go in a coffee shop and it's not just the same menu that's everywhere, Yeah. you know, yeah. or, you know, this place has great cold brew. And, and for me, like, I don't really like cold brew. I like iced coffee, but it, so if I find a place that does like brews it hot, but puts it on ice, I'm always like, Ooh, I got to try that. You know, um, that, that sort of model, I think that's like, to me, that's the, hopefully we see that on the recovery. Like, <laughs> you know, tell me what's good. Don't just give me everything. Yeah. Whether it's, well, whether it's a restaurant or a comic book shop or, or whatever. So give me an experience I can't have anywhere else. Simple exactly. That. Simple yeah. as that. And that's, that's well said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I on agree. that note, uh, I think we've, we've it's kind of positive, right? We should, yeah, no, we that's positive. That <laughs> no, there's a lot. There's a lot to look forward to. You know, there's going to be some casualties along the way, sadly, and um, you know, we need. We, everybody should just support your creators, your favorite shops. Just give them some extra love over these over these next few months, because um, they're certainly going to need it. And we'll, you know, as as we come up with ideas and things to help, we'll we'll promote them here. But I think just go out there and buy some books. Really, you know, take care. You know, talk to your shops. Ask if you're a designer or developer or marketer. Um, ask them if, if they need help, you know, like give them, provide your services if that's something you're interested in doing, or maybe you can help join in and create new opportunities for customer engagement. Like if you have a favorite shop, you know, probably better than they do what gets people excited. You know, like you are a fan of that shop, offer, offer that point of view, see what happens. Yeah. Anyway, Good to I hear. think that's, I think we've said it all, man. Um, Woo. back to com back to comeback.com. Um, it will you know, be really exciting next week when, um, although we got to wait two more weeks for decorum. Dang. 
Um, but uh, we will have new comics to discuss. <laughs> you know, although I still have a TBR pile, so I still have plenty of stuff I could be reading. Real quick, <laughs> real quick, you have read Nightly News all the way through, right? I have not actually finished it, no. Okay, okay, because we, we're, we're pausing on that for a variety of reasons. I just didn't know if you had read it yet or it if was, you were still working on it. I, I'm still working on it after we made the call not to record that show. Um, but uh, uh, it is interesting. I'll, I'll tell you, it's really interesting reading it back to back with Decorum because I had read the Decorum issue one before I picked up Nightly News. Um, so, yeah, it, that'll be interesting to discuss sometime. I think Hickman, uh, when we discuss Decorum, we can discuss sort of like the whole oeuvre, the Hickman yes. world, Hickman verse. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I feel like I've gotten, I have enough touchstones in it now to to understand a little bit more about it. Excellent. Well, if you want to see more, we're we're literally wherever you can find podcasts. We're finally back on Spotify after some some delays there. So yay! Um, if you're if you're listening, subscribe, tell your friends, share. Visit us at panelism.inc. That's panelism.inc. That's also our Instagram handle. Search for panelism.inc on Instagram. Uh, shout us out there. It's quite, kind of the easiest way to get in touch. Just uh, send us a direct message there. See our all our episodes, and then um, we'll be back soon. We're gonna have a lot more coming. I think now that we're getting back into the swing of things, we'll we'll have some more regular stuff for you, hopefully going forward. So stay tuned. Yes, it'll be good to talk again uh, when I've uh, watched all of Debs and what we do in the shadows. Oh my God, so much to talk about. <laughs> so much to talk about. And without there's no Comic Con this year, so you'll have even more time to to consume and discuss yeah uh that's true SDCC, oh, man. That, yeah. that's a real that's like a it's a bittersweet pill right there i'm sorry you know sorry, but it's like it's like it's like, it's like memorial day it's just a catch-up day yeah. it's like there's no yeah. comic-con okay i got four days to catch up on this tbr pod. just means next year's gonna be even bigger all the all the pent-up the pent-up energy is like oh my god i'll have an extra year to work on my cosplay it's gonna be the most badass thing ever somebody can actually build a real arc reactor for their iron man suit i'm pretty sure i'm still gonna go with a hazmat suit <laughs> yeah.